0: Welcome to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. If you're an entrepreneur driven by your faith or want to be driven by your faith, then you're in the right place. This is a podcast brought to you by Faith Driven Entrepreneur. Best way to stay connected about new episodes is to sign up for our monthly newsletter at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. This podcast doesn't exist without you, our community. Please send us any thoughts you have about how this podcast might better serve you or any questions you might have about being a faith driven entrepreneur.
1: Strategy is really about we have to start with the outcome and what's the ultimate outcome of our lives, but how we want to be remembered. So, in writing that end game objective or obituary, you know, I was writing about how Sun Yin Shang was a good mom, wife, daughter, loyal friend. She wasn't always brave, but she made those around her braver because she believed in them. She kept her promises. Minded moments, great and small. She discovered the awesomeness in others. And the last line was, She was a good and faithful steward of the gifts that God gave her. And this is how she mattered. And I realized that's it. That's how I want to matter is being a steward of these gifts.
2: Welcome back, everyone, to the Faith Driven Entrepreneur Podcast. This is Rusty. Hope you're having a fantastic week. Hey, we had a conversation, a very cool conversation that we're going to share with you today with Sonnyan Shang. Now, Sonian is a CEO, coach, an advisor, and an author. That in itself, pretty cool. But let's add on the fact that she's the executive director for the Coach K Center on Leadership and Ethics at Duke University's Fuqua School of Business, and a professor with its Pratt School of Engineering. That's Coach K, as in Coach K from Big Blue. She's an advisor for Google Ventures, Sports Innovation Labs, Duke Corporate Education, and the author of The Launch Book, Motivational Stories to Launch Your Idea, Business, or Next Career. Now, while she may have over, I want you to get this, over a million followers on LinkedIn, that's right, one million, we actually loved even more than that Her sharing how her identity and value is found as a beloved child of God and a Christ follower. It's contagious to hear her passion to enable others to pursue greatness rather than to chase it for herself. Let's jump in right now in our conversation with Sonia and Shang.
0: Rusty, William, it's great to be back with you guys. As always, Tuesdays are great. Tuesdays are a great day, and today we've got a really special guest, a a friend of mine that I've known for well more than a decade from my time in Durham, North Carolina. Durham, North Carolina, as you guys know, is known for lots of great things. I care deeply about Durham, and it's very unique history of entrepreneurship. It was the Center for African-American Entrepreneurship for more than 100 years. Just a great story about that as we think about faith-driven entrepreneurs. It's also the home for Duke University and Duke basketball. And many of us will know about Coach K. And Coach K has a Center for Leadership. And that Center for Leadership is run by our guest today. And Sunyan Zhang is with us. And Sunyan, it's great to have you on the
1: program. Thank you for joining us. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for having me be a part of this. I am a huge fan of faith-driven entrepreneurs and the amazing work that you're doing.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, So we want to get started just off the bat. Just give our listeners a quick picture of who you are and what you do. And one of your titles, of course, is the executive director of the Coach Case Center on Leadership and Ethics at Duke at the Fuqua School of Business. Tell us a bit about the work you do there and about the journey that got you to where
1: you are now. Oh, gosh. So let me just start off with my personal mission in life. It's not to chase greatness, but to enable greatness. And a big part of that is we can't control whether we achieve greatness, but we can control how we enable greatness in others. And so that's expressed in my life as a mom. That's my number one job, (laughs) mom of three, as an educator, as a mentor, as a coach. And so naturally that finds me here at the Coach K Center on Leadership and Ethics at Duke University's Fuqua School of Business. The center was started in 2004 because we saw that as an educational institution, in the business world, we can't just purely teach only about marketing and finance. Those things are necessarily but insufficient. We have a responsibility to develop the type of leaders that the world needs. That's like, what does it mean to be a leader in today's world? What does it mean to take on that mantle and bear the responsibility? And what does it mean? And how do you enable and make the world a better place? And so that is the work of the center. Uh, We start off with the idea of How do we cultivate and foster that in all of our MBA students? And as Business 101 dictates, we go talk to our customers. You know, if our end result is we're in the people development business, people knowledge development business, then students are our products and our customers is the world that engages with our students. So we start pulling together these think tanks, which that's one of the first times when we met Henry, is think tanks where we are engaging with leaders across different sectors and industries and trying to understand what are the needs of leadership today and tomorrow. And what we discovered is that we've gone from a world where we used to have all the answers to one where we're developing the playbook as we go along. And so the center has evolved to one where understanding what's relevant, how do we engage and how do we co-create or co-author this bright new world with everyone else around us.
2: You know, I can't think of a better person to probably work with than Coach K. I mean, what a great example of leadership. And he's also a great storyteller. Mm -hmm. And I know that's something that you focus on. Tell us how important it is to be a great storyteller and maybe uh, give a few insights for our listeners, our entrepreneurs, about how to become a better storyteller.
1: Right. So Coach K is amazing because with him... He always has that bigger vision. It wasn't just developing winners and winning games. It was developing people for life. And so there's this one thing I learned from him that which sticks with me. And this relates to storytelling. He says, it's not enough for people to know it. They also have to feel it. And so it's going beyond the cognitive and the data and the information in order for them to activate and to do something with that knowledge, they have to feel it. And the way they can feel it is through stories. So he is a remarkable storyteller. So when I think about stories, stories are information that is put into a context that's emotionally resonant. We as human beings, since the dawn of humankind, have been telling stories because we're wired not to digest information. We're wired to digest stories. So in the entrepreneurial context and the entrepreneurs I work with, one thing I think about is at the end of the day, we're all trying to get people to buy into our destiny story. Where are we going? Where are we going with this company? Where are we going with this mission? Where are we going with our products and services, whether it's investors or customers? We're getting them to buy into our destiny story. And the way to get them to buy into our destiny story is to have a origin story. What drives us? What motivates us? What was the genesis of this company, this idea? You know, when I look at Flatiron Health as an example, Nat Turner started that because his mom had cancer and he was wrestling with all that information. He said, wait, I work at Google now. Why can't I take all this data analytics and make it easier? for people who are going through this. And that was a great origin story. You know? And so I think about the origin stories that reveal who we are and what our companies are about and what our startups are about. And that's how we get people to connect and relate to and root for our destiny stories.
0: So I know enough about the program and some of the events that you run to know that you have some of the world's biggest and most successful leaders that come through Fuqua and these are CEOs of Fortune 100 companies. These are sports stars. The Shane Baddier was there one of the times I was there and is a four star general and an admiral and people like that. Tell us a bit about some of the lessons of leadership that you've learned over the years and some of the patterns. And maybe you just start with Coach K. Right. Yeah. So Coach K runs the program and mm-hmm. it's amazing. I've gone through it a couple of times. It's amazing how he does it. And I'm continue to be fascinated about him as a person and not just because I'm a Carolina fan. and trying to figure out why he continues to have our number, but because he has been able to not only succeed on the collegiate level with some young kids, but then to get USA basketball with a bunch of big egos and very successful, very rich people and get them to work well together and to succeed for maybe not the glory of God, but for the glory of the U.S. of A. What are the things that you've seen that you'd share with people? A bunch of entrepreneurs are listening to this, and all of whom are going to aspire to be able to be at that type of roundtable someday. And what have you learned through Coach K's stories and, and the others?
1: So three patterns of successful leaders that I see. One is Discontinuously learning mindset, right? And I'll give two stories. So, a coach case story is you would say, look, he's getting older, and the kids that are coming in are age 17 and 18. So, the age gap is widening. But instead of pulling them to him only, saying, you have to come meet me where I'm at. He's incredibly adaptive, and he's meeting them where they're at. He's learning about the music they're listening to. He's listening to that music so he can relate to them. So from an entrepreneurial experience, that constant learning is about think about your customers and your customer base as they're growing and they're getting younger. Understand, know your customers. Same thing, your employee base. The mark of a great leader is the leader takes the time to know those around them right to know this and so there's a learning mindset so that's one i can share uh one of my great friends bob lefkowitz is won the nobel prize in chemistry in 2012 and every year in his lab he will give away an award for the greatest skeptic because i mean i'm like bob you're a nobel laureate aren't you the smartest person in the room (laughs) why are you celebrating that person who's like well you know poking holes at your ideas and he said well I need that person because I have blind spots and I can continuously learn. And I'd rather have the holes in my ideas being figured out and addressed before things go to publication and out to public versus after they've been out. So from an entrepreneurial experience, think about that person on your team who is needling you and saying, oh, I don't know, this will work. And we all want positive energy, but be mindful of that person because maybe be helping you see a blind spot about your product or that customer you're testing it by because it's much better to address that than before you invest like Mm -hmm. millions of dollars and the product goes to market. So that learning mindset is one. Two is that it's sense of purpose and mission. So how did Coach K get these superstar basketball players around and playing for Team USA? One of the first things he did was help them understand what does it mean to play for Team USA. So he brought in a lot of our military members and shared with them, like there was one, Scott Smiley. He was blinded during an attack and then he still wanted to go back and serve. And that was hugely inspiring. And so this idea of sense of purpose, the corresponding part of that story is I think about my great friend, Bob McDonald. Bob retired as the CEO of Procter & Gamble and then went on to become the secretary of the VA. And Bob would say, don't ask me how to become a CEO. He didn't aspire, he didn't chase being a CEO. Instead, he was thinking about how can my contributions matter at this moment to those around us? How can I be in service of the organization and the mission? So that's another pattern is this mission driven, purpose-driven. They all have a deep sense of purpose. And then the third is this understanding that successful leaders, they all understand we don't succeed alone. We succeed with others. To think that we got to where we are by ourselves purely, that will be a huge blind spot. Mm. You know, we may be blessed with parents and friends, who are incredibly supportive. There's an element of luck and timing in the marketplace. So they're incredibly resilient because they understand that resiliency isn't only a singular self thing, but it is a team and community thing. And I think about, in terms of my Christian faith, my faith community, my church, that's a great derivation of my resilience. And I think that's a big part of the Christian story, isn't it?
0: Oh, absolutely. Tell us about the way that you've been able to translate some of these leadership lessons from Coach K and Admirals and the guy from Procter & Gamble to young people that are looking to launch. You've got a new book that's out. (laughs) Tell us about that.
1: Oh, so a lot of the leadership ideas and themes, respect for people. Let go of your ego. Like, let me just share a great quote by Bishop Thomas Bickerton, which always resides in my mind. So Bishop Bickerton came from a small rural town in, I think, West Virginia. And he became the bishop in the Methodist Church. I was instrumental in the MBA Cares Gates Foundation Methodist UNICEF collaboration in helping to manage and alleviate malaria in Africa. And one day I asked Bishop Bickerton, you came from the small town and you're around all these remarkable people. How do you have the confidence and then also the humility? And he said, Well, I am but a letter in a sentence, in a paragraph, in a chapter of a very long book. So that's the humility. But that book would not make as much sense if it weren't for those chapters and that page, and that paragraph, and that one letter, you know, in that word. And so I think a lot about that. But so the lessons that, of leadership, the humility, the engagement with others, the character, how do you build credibility, your character integrity, those are not mutable Those are always going to be constant, building trust, building credibility. But I think where I play around with is how do we translate that to different generations so that it's resonant with them. And so with the young people, it's about stories. It's about stories. It comes back to stories. And for them, this new generation, Gen Z, millennials, for them, it's more about the journey. They want to know the journey. They don't want just the outcome, the destination, the perfection. They want to understand how we get there. And so couching it, going back to that earlier question, the story matters. Can I share an experience I recently had on a plane?
0: <laughs> please,
1: please. Okay, So last week I was flying to Santa Barbara to shoot a LinkedIn learning course. And we're flying on via Dallas and trying to land into Dallas, we're facing all these huge storms that cause a plane to just circle in the air. Then we have to divert to Houston to refuel and then come back to Dallas. And then by that time, five hours later, my connecting fly had departed. Oh, you would think that would be the worst flight ever. It was actually one of the best flights ever because sitting next to me was this high school senior and we struck up a conversation. And around that time, I was working on a leadership course for high school seniors. And I had this idea, like my course outline, and I thought, well, let me just bounce it by her, you know, this idea of engagement, let me bounce it by her. And she started giving me insights that made me realize how wrong my assumptions about how this next generation learned and what was interesting them was. So I gave her a list of people, all super impressive. I said, I want to include these people in my course for high school students. And they were like, people were astronauts, people, I mean, just super, super, super impressive. And she wasn't as interested in those people. And she's like, you know, for us, we want to learn about the career hoppers. <laughs> like the people who didn't have the answers, who are trying to figure it out and who have that humility to mm-hmm. figure it out with others. Yeah, I realized with how we translate all these leadership lessons to this next generation, it has to be about the journey. It's not about, hey, look at us and look at where we are right now. It's more about here's how we got here. Here's the struggles we've had. And by the way, we need your help. Let's figure it out yeah. together. And include
0: that brings it up so. a, brings up a great point. Ed, some of our listeners will recall that we are involved in a local group of people who get together called Inklings group of mostly men to encourage each other in the pursuit of faith family and vocation and it started in durham it started when we were living in durham and we'd have people over the house and i remember uh, a couple of guys that would come and came for the first 10 or 12 but then they stopped you know 20 months in they stopped coming and i went to a mutual friend of mine and i said so why are these guys not coming and he said i don't know i'll figure it out and he'd gone back and gotten some back channel information he said you know what The reason was something actually resonates a little bit with me. And that is you've had this progression of 20 different successful leaders come in and Mm. talk at Inklings. And this is how they've been able to be successful. And they're all driven by their faith. Yes, but they're 50 years old. And, you know, they're at the helms of these different companies. And these guys just couldn't relate. Mm.
1: They're struggling
0: right now with their wife has got depression and anxiety and, you know, just a story of just how they've been successful for the glory of God is something that they just can't identify with. Yeah. And that was really seminal for me. I had thought you know, get these 20 just great leaders in and that gives them the inspiration and they're off the races, but they couldn't identify. And so what we then did was we said to each one of these folks, we continued to have leaders that would come in, but we said, we want you to share with a spirit of vulnerability and transparency and tell us something that you wish you knew when you're 25 or 30, Mm. which connotes and conveys some level of, they've made some mistakes along the way. What were they? What did they learn from them? And now all of a sudden, they become more relatable because you know what? Any leader's story isn't straight up and to the right. They've all <laughs> had different types of struggles. Yes. And so it's interesting that you've heard this through the lens of this high school senior, which is I need to be able, if I'm going to seek to emulate somebody, I need to be able to identify with them. They need yes. to kind of get who I am. They need to understand my music and my cultural references. They need to be approachable. Otherwise, it just doesn't matter to me.
1: And relatable, they need to see their story in you, right? They need yeah. to, and so that role modeling is important, it's accessible, and that vulnerability is powerful.
2: Can I go back to something you were talking about with Coach K? In your mind, what's the difference between leadership and coaching? Because he's a coach, yeah. <laughs> but he's a leader.
1: Mm. I think coaching is an act of leadership, right? Like, we tend to have this myth that leadership is about position or title. So when are you a leader? Is it because after you get that CEO title, after you win that award, no, we're leading because leadership is really about influence and persuasion, right? And it's not only about what's visible, but what's also invisible, which goes back to the idea of team. So when you look at a single team, it might be, traditionally, might be the CEO was most visible, Where you know, say we're watching a movie and it's a star who's on screen, but there's a whole bunch of leadership activities going on also behind the camera, on the other side of the camera that we don't see. So when we think about leadership as persuasion and influence and taking out the title, then, you know, there's so many different acts of leadership and coaching is one of them. The players are not going to listen to you only because you have a title. They're going to respond because they relate to you. There's something where you're role modeling for them who they want to be. And people feel when you care about them. You know, in leadership, that trust element is so important. And in coaching too, for them to take what you say and the feedback and do something with it, they have to trust you. I think about parenting as an act of leadership. And believe me, I mean, most of my leadership lessons come from being a mom. Seriously, try explaining positional power to a five-year-old and that they should listen to you because you have the title mom. <laughs> it does not work. You know, mentoring is an act of leadership. And in leading, it's a two-way street all the time. I think the best leaders also know when to be followers. The best leaders are also great followers. And so we're constantly co-leading with one another. It's a dance.
3: I want to take it uh, maybe in an odd direction. That's what I usually do sometimes. As you think about leadership, what's maybe one of your favorite biblical stories of a leader and maybe how you see that lens, how what God has revealed to you in that story about leadership that maybe some of our listeners have never thought about it from that perspective?
1: (laughs) So I've been thinking about wisdom quite a bit. You know, we think about in job description, do we see wisdom? In that job description often, wisdom. And I think back to Solomon, like of all the things that he could ask for, he asked for wisdom. And yet, how often do we include wisdom or good judgment into job descriptions and the people we're recruiting onto our team? As an entrepreneur, as a CEO, co-founder, you can't control how your people think, act, or feel but you can control two things. You can control the environment that they're in and you can control who you bring onto the company, who you hire on to the company. And so I've been thinking about how do we hire for wisdom for that judgment? And by the way, lack of judgment, you could take you know, that person, put them in a customer interaction and you lose your best customer <laughs> with bad judgment. And, and judgment is contextual. It's an understanding of, What's the situation and what does the situation require? It's looking at these different factors and being able to understand. It's like a jazz song. You know, you understand where are the key elements, but you're able to improvise based on what the situation requires. And I think more and more in leadership, judgment and wisdom Contextual leadership is not something we talk about, but I think in today's volatile, uncertain, chaotic, ambiguous world, we have to also develop leaders who have that wisdom and understand that context. We talk about integrity, we talk about trust, but we don't talk about incorporating that contextual element and that wisdom.
2: I know you like to talk and speak about identity. So how much of that ability to contextualize that is identity? And how do we go about Marrying that all together.
1: (laughs) All right. So let me weave two things and share it. Since we've been talking about personal struggles, let me just go ahead and share that with listeners. Um, Identity is so key, right? But unless we are intentional about who we want to be and what matters, we can easily get distracted by all these things that are not true to our identity, but we think we are. So, As an example, earlier on in the introduction, Henry mentioned I'm a LinkedIn influencer with more than a million followers. I did not set out to build a following of a million followers on LinkedIn. What I wanted to do, what I set out originally intentionally was, hey, this is a great platform where I can share ideas and where I can cast attention on stories and people and ideas that inspire me and share it with others that can help others think. That was my intention and purpose as I built up a following and then I, as I get introduced as, oh, you're an influencer with more than a million LinkedIn followers, suddenly that aspect starts creeping into my identity and I became shackled by it. Suddenly, before I didn't care about views and now I'm on LinkedIn I'm like, oh, how many views did that post get? Oh gosh, how many more followers did I get today? All the things that are distracting to us that we really can't control And that are not really a part of my identity suddenly it's gripping so much of our mind, right? And I think about entrepreneurs. I mean, there was a great article in the Wall Street Journal recently about the dark side of startups. It's like, you know, your mission is to create a product that can really change the world or a service that can make lives better. But as you become more successful or as, you know, product takes off, suddenly people start saying, oh, you're this person or you're that person, and you became shackled by, oh, how's the product doing today? How many sounds it all the things that didn't matter as much before suddenly seems to consume your day. And so as I struggled through that recently, Henry and I got on the phone. I reached out because didn't I say earlier that resilience is we're strong. I have a resilience level of two out of 10. It's really, really low, but I know I can go up against someone with a resilience level of nine out of ten because I've got great community and great friends so I reached out to Henry I said Henry can I just talk through some of this with you and that was a pivotal conversation because what Henry shared with me you know he's like well this is actually very normal well and and by the way this is how you analyze it these things are distractions it's like when you're a ceo and your company goes public suddenly you're now watching the fluctuations of that stock price which may be market forces beyond your control and so unless you center back to who are you who do you want to be you can end up using your energy in ways that are not healthy right and one exercise uh in, throughout that process and after that conversation I ended up doing was writing my ultimate end game objective, in other words, my own obituary. <laughs> and because every strategy is really about, we have to start with the outcome and what's the ultimate outcome of our lives, but how we want to be remembered. So, in writing that end game objective or obituary, you know, I was writing about how Sunian Sheng was a good mom, wife, daughter, loyal friend. She wasn't always brave, but she made those around her braver because she believed in them. She kept her promises, minded moments, great and small. She discovered the awesomeness in others. And the last line was, she was a good and faithful steward of the gifts that God gave her. And this is how she mattered. And I realized that's it. That's how I want to matter is being a steward of these gifts.
0: That's beautiful. Sonia, you are a beloved child of God in whom he is well-pleased and you don't need to earn a thing. And I don't either. I need to tell myself that. And I think our (laughs) listeners need to hear it too. And I'm grateful for you sharing that and being vulnerable. And that's super key. And it's very, very encouraging.
1: Henry, thank you so much for your friendship and, you know, for being there. When I reached out and helping me think through this, you helped me be more resilient. And I'm grateful for that.
0: Wow, thank you.
3: So that's a great segue. I, I know I struggle with that as a lot too. I actually just ordered a 50-day journey called Grace Immersion. So that is something that I am still trying to capture. Uh, I've talked about it on the podcast before of how my son's been teaching me this story and God's been teaching me through that, of that I'm a beloved child, but I'd be lying if I said I had grasped that, if I was all over that. I just don't. And so I just think that just preach that topic as much as possible to as many people as possible in as many ways as possible, because I just have a feeling there's more kindred spirits out there that are struggling with that like us. And so as we do come to our time, I'd love to know what part of God's Word does He have you in these days? Maybe what's a section or a verse, could be anything that's maybe coming alive to you in a new way in this season, could be this morning, could be this year. <laughs> right? It could be anything, but just some version of his word, because it's just always fun to to think about how living and active God's word is. And we always love inviting our listeners into the stories that God's weaving through our guest lives.
1: Mm, So my church, Black Knoll, Presbyterian, and Darrow, we've just gone through the book of Acts. (laughs) (laughs) that's heavy. (laughs) There's a lot there. And so some of the things I've been thinking about in relation to that is the sense of control. And it just relates to leadership too, because the more successful we become or the more validation there seems to be, the more we fall into this illusion that we actually have control, right? That we have control over everything when that's such an illusion. Um, God has control. We don't. And it's being in the moment and being responsive to what he's calling us to do. And part of that is also just really being appreciative of the gifts that we have around us. How often do we take the gifts we have around us for granted um, until we can't anymore? So the friendships, the friends who are there, our children's health. How often do we think about that? You know, our children's health, that's a gift. That's a gift. Until it's, you know, and and so how are we responding to that as a gift? And I think when we see more of the world as these gifts are truly in our way, we're going to have the sense of wonder. And with that sense of wonder, the sense of gratitude will come. The sense of stewardship, Mm. and we are stewards. We're stewards. So how do we want to be good and faithful stewards? So those are some of the things that's been occupying my mind quite a bit. As we are going through the book of Acts and as I think about the world and, and the things I'm struggling with and um, how do we be menders, how do we be stewards and how do we retain the sense of seeing the goodness and the beauty that he has gifted us. It's all around us.
0: That was beautiful. It was awesome being with you, Sonia, and it always is. I'm grateful for you sharing and for our time together. And I hope that our listeners will be encouraged to learn more about you. And we now know, since we have firmly established that your LinkedIn follower account is not part of your identity, we can now encourage people to check you out on LinkedIn (laughs) here that it will just build you up. But Sonia is very intentional about encouraging people and has that spiritual gift of encouragement. If you're going to follow somebody on LinkedIn, she's a great one to follow and also check out her book. It's called The Launch Book. It's motivational stories to launch your idea, business or next career. Sonya, thank you for being with us. God bless you, sister.
1: Oh, thank you so much to all of you and to the great work that Faith Driven Entrepreneurs is doing. Thank you for having me on the show.
2: Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We hope you enjoyed it. We are very grateful for the opportunity to serve you, the larger faith-driven entrepreneur community. And we wanna stay connected. The best way for you to do that is to sign up for our monthly newsletter at faithdrivenentrepreneur.org. And while you're there, we wanna hear from you. We derive great joy from interacting with many of you. And it's been very rewarding to see people come to the site and listen to the podcast now from more than over a hundred countries. But it's even more important to us that you feel like this is your show and that you'll help make it something that best equips you on your entrepreneurial journey, one that you're proud of and one that you're going to share with others. Hey, this podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from many of our friends, executive producer Justin Foreman and program director Johnny Wills. Music is by Carl Kegwell. You can see and hear more of his work at summerdregs.com. Audio and editing by
1: Richard Barley of Cornerstone Church in San Francisco.